1: Welcome to Locks on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with good friend of the podcast, basically co-host at this point, Justin Garcia. Frank Madden is, uh, is on an airplane tonight, so I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure whether he's going to get a, a rude shock when he gets off the plane. I know I was, uh, I was texting with him early in the game, in the first half, but uh, I think from the amount that we've watched the Bucks this season, you assume that even if there's a rough start to a game, the Bucks are going to get through it. Uh, tonight, they weren't able to in Miami. They lose to the Heat 105 uh, 89. So the Bucks on a back to back after scoring 100 plus points in. Uh, I never looked this up. I said this yesterday. I was a bad host for not knowing this. I think it was 83 games. Now 83, yeah. it was 83. Yep. And now uh, 93 points in a win against the Hornets yesterday. 89. Uh, in, a, in a loss to Miami tonight. The Bucks now 52-9 and nine on the season. And Justin, we just don't do this so often that I don't know whether that uh, I need to be over-the-top emotional about this. I don't know whether I need to throw some hot takes out there. I don't know whether to just be really, really angry. I don't know how to feel when the Bucks lose anymore. This is really strange.
0: Well, let's start with the hot takes. Will they ever score 100 points again?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of remarkable, honestly, uh, that, that after so long uh, of reaching uh that that mark these last two games here they've struggled Uh, a big theme over the the course of these two games against charlotte obviously we spoke about this in detail but the fact that Giannis was just so ridiculous uh against the hornets in that one carried the bucks to a win but also made the bucks scoring 93 points uh you know probably cover over some of the cracks of the other guys tonight in miami on a back-to-back and uh, like I said last week against the Raptors, when the Bucks win on a back-to-back, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. So I'm certainly not going to uh, you know, make an excuse for the Bucs here on, on a back-to-back. It was their third game in four nights. had said after the game that he was tired, but uh, he also said that uh, that's no excuse. This this Heat team played really, really hard. And I thought that this was a physical game throughout uh, and and in many respects kind of playoff-like in that regard now, you could certainly argue that the Bucs uh, didn't get uh, a lot of help from, from the referees in this one. But nonetheless, this is a trait that the Miami Heat have. You know that they're going to play tough for 48 minutes. They play team oriented basketball. They move the ball on offense. and Defensively, they help really well. Obviously, a, a fantastic coach in Eric Spolstra at the top. But uh, where do you want to start with this one? Because all in all, this was, this was a really, really rare, ugly game for the Bucks.
0: Well, I mean, uh, yeah, back-to-back, uh, back, third game in four days. This is a stretch of, what, six and nine? So yeah, we yeah. knew for um, where you fall on whether or not the Bucks are getting enough attention and who cares, uh, March is really going to be the month where if people weren't talking about the Bucks, this is the month where you can make it happen because of the schedule that they have, and, and really it bleeds into April, too, that it, it's pretty tough that I think the Bucks and the Grizzlies basically have far and away the most difficult schedule remaining, for sure, of of playoff teams at this point in either conference. So um, I guess I don't – look, this is one of those games that we keep talking about the outlier games, and I know I've, I've gone on this and, and pointed this out several times, and I saw you were uh, pointing out the same thing, too, where it just seems like for people to point at three-point shooting and how much of an issue it's going to be and – Oh, uh, look, the bucks give up a lot of threes, and you can you can hunt threes and you can find threes against this defense. I found it to be hilarious. I think it was the Stan Van Gundy game against the Raptors that he was calling, where the premise was, here's everything the Buck's defense does well. They take away the efficient shots, and you know those at the rim and those in the paint. You can't get those, and they don't foul, so you don't get free throws, and those are the you know the most efficient shots out there, three pointers, not so much. But you can get a lot of threes on this defense. So you're just pointing out the strengths of this defense, number one. But everybody points to three-pointers, and it's, what, I think 17 now that opponents are averaging in the losses. It has basically been a two-pronged approach, where if you're going to say there's a blueprint for beating this team, it's hit a lot of threes and hope the Bucks miss a lot. Because in their losses – they have, I think it's the fourth worst shooting percentage of threes in losses of any team in the league. <laughs> their three-point percentage, I think it dropped eight percentage points to their season average in losses, and the opponent's goes up more than eight. So what we're seeing is basically the perfect storm of nine out of 61 times the Bucks had a bad night and the opponent had a great night.
1: Yeah, so Miami uh, finished 48% from three with their 18 makes, uh, the Bucks really, really struggling in this one at twenty point six percent. They're seven for thirty four from three. And you go through the box score and have a look at some of the numbers: Giannis zero for four, Wesley Matthews zero for four, uh, George Hill best or over fifty percent under season from three zero for two, Chris Milton forty three percent from three under season two for ten. Uh, it was ugly all across the board. And a couple of other numbers just on this, just to to highlight how kind of wild, this this shooting performance for, for both Miami and also the Bucs was our friend Dean Maniad who keeps on dodging the podcast, but tweeted this one out uh, after the game. Uh, in case you were wondering how rare double outlier uh, games are, it's happened 35 times all of last season. So uh, a double outlier uh, qualifies when, let's just say the Bucs in, in this instance shoot below 25.2% from three. And the opponent shoots over 45.2% from three. So tonight, uh, clearly a game that qualifies there. Uh teams had a 2.8% chance of having a double outlier game. That's how rare this is. And uh this season, the last time a double outlier game occurred was actually the Bucks and the Thunder the other night in Milwaukee. And and the Bucks obviously won that by 47 points. So that's uh, you know, the effect that this is going to have if if the shoe is on the other foot, but uh, the other thing to note is teams are 0-21 and in double outlier games this season. In a game where uh, so much of the scoring is done from the outside and success in, in a lot of ways, and, and some teams do it differently, but su- success in a lot of ways is predicated on uh, you know having a hot, hot night uh, shooting from three, particularly if you're trying to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, that just goes to show how hard uh, that difference is to overcome. And some of the other numbers I looked up, teams have shot... Less than 25%, or below 25% from three, and below 65% free throws in 22 games this season. Those teams now, after tonight, the Bucks also struggle from the free throw line. Those teams have a record, uh, have won two games and lost 20. And in addition to that, below 25% and below 65%, there have been 102 instances in the NBA since 2010 where the opposition has also shot greater than 45% from three in those games. The record for those teams now is four and ninety eight <laughs> so uh, I, I know i 've just rattled off a, a whole heap of numbers there, and I hope that people can actually uh, make sense of what i 'm just saying but basically, long story short, if you have this combination of numbers uh, you 're not going to win many games
0: no, and you know to be clear, we, we talk about the three point shooting a lot it 's not as though the bucks have been like what you saw tonight in every single one of their losses. But sure. it is worth pointing out in four of those nine losses, they have shot 40% or worse from three. And, you know, the opponent and what they've done, they've just been bombing away where we'll point to the Sixers game where they hit 22, um, the Spurs, and or 21, the Spurs hit 22. And now uh, two of the last three with uh, uh, the the Nuggets hitting 22. The Spurs hit 19 and what the Heat did tonight, you're seeing more of a pattern there where – uh, all but I think two of those games, the opponent shot 40% or better from three and closer to 50%. So uh, the issue has been that more so than the Bucs. But it's it's been there that the Bucs have just coincidentally had these poor shooting nights a lot of times in these losses. And, you know, it, this game seemed so much like we were seeing the same thing that we saw last week against Toronto, where... Both teams kind of came out feeling each other out. The Heat started hitting threes. We saw the Raptors do the same thing. The second quarter where what the Raptors, I think, were up 12 last week. You made it two at the half. Tonight, Heat were up 12. You made it one at the half. Dante, we didn't even talk about, dominated the first half Where for the Bucs. He was the best player on the floor those 24 minutes of the first half. And in the second half, for some brief spurts, it looked like Eric Bledsoe was going to start to do the same thing where he had some tough finishes and he was penetrating, but you go to that third quarter and I think the Heat hit five threes. The Bucks hit none and outscored you by 10 where a close game is all of a sudden double figures on that Goran Dragic three. and I feel like I jinxed it a couple of times talking about how um, you looked at the Heat's damage in the first half and it was really just Kelly Olenek and Jay Crowder that were hitting threes for them, they were 80%. The rest of the team was 3 of 11. And you figured, okay, these guys aren't going to keep doing that. And they didn't. But we saw the guy that did it in the second half was Goran Dragic. Yeah,
1: no question. And I don't know about you, but I was watching some of those shots in in the first uh, half in particular. And, and through the third, I mean, you mentioned Goran Dragic, he hit a couple, particularly the one at the buzzer. I mean, if if you watch that play back, Eric Spolstra looked like he was he was trying to call something and nothing really happened. And then so Dragic just thought, well, all right, I'm just going to jack this up and, and obviously hit nothing but net, which is uh, something we saw repeatedly. But Miami are a good shooting team. So, you know, you do need to give them credit for the way that they shot the ball tonight. Uh, are they going to shoot 50% from three? Uh, most likely not uh, when it comes to the playoffs in terms of four games that are going to win. And then are you going to get the, the poor shooting from the Bucs? I mean, likely not. I mean, this situation is likely not going to repeat itself, but uh, they do have some good shooters. And Duncan Robertson, I mean, geez, this guy is incredible it, it, when you talk about having the ability to shoot off the dribble shoot off the catch shoot with a hand in his face it, mugged, yeah yeah i mean we we saw this multiple times it was interesting chris milton looked like he was caught on robertson a few times particularly in the second quarter there was one shot uh where Robinson hit from the left corner and milton sort of just like stood there and was just like jeez i didn't even know what else i could do on that play uh, and then Kelly Olenek was, was hitting step-back threes, trying to sort of cross over Brooke Lopez there. And then Jay Crowder. I mean, this guy typically has not been a terrific three-point shooter over the course of his career. But since coming to Miami in nine games now, he's shooting 44%. That'll obviously go up tonight after, after a five-for-nine effort, five-for-seven in the first half. So unlike other times where it's felt like teams were just uh, teeing off on wide-open threes, I did think that the Bucks generally did a, a decent job of contesting and making those looks at least, you know, kind of difficult, but it it did just feel like one of those nights where uh, the Heat couldn't score, but uh, couldn't miss, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, they could definitely score. But if you want to talk about the the positives for the Milwaukee defense, and we sort of spoke about this briefly before we started recording, this is something that that I've said on on multiple occasions. And as recently as last Tuesday, when the Bucks beat the Raptors also on a back-to-back, this game was following a similar path, where the Heat opened up a double-digit lead in the second quarter, and then Milwaukee were able to really come back into the game, leading into the half. And I was like, "Well, okay, the, the, the Bucks' defense has held steady. The offense hasn't looked great, but if Miami comes back to the to the norm from shooting from three, then Milwaukee's probably going to end up winning this game." Now that didn't happen, but the interesting number to look at here is points in the paint. Uh, the Bucks won that count, forty-six to thirty. So only 30 points in the paint for Miami. And again, when we want to talk about the way that this Bucks defense operates, uh, that that's a really good number because Miami did not shoot well on two-point uh, attempts tonight. And if the Bucs walk away from this one and look at it defensively, uh, I think even though you lose the game, you're still going to walk away and say, okay, our defense did the job. This, this, they did. What we want them to do, they did what we expect them to do. Brooke Lopez with another couple of blocks. Giannis had one huge block uh, that unfortunately ended up in the three, I, I believe. But uh, defensively, I, I thought outside of Miami, obviously going scorched earth from beyond the arc, I think this played out the way that the Bucks would have liked it too in terms of uh, shot uh,
0: disparity from, from the heat. Yeah, I think they, they give up about 38 a game to the opponent on the season, which is just remarkable that that's the number you're giving up in the paint. And I know it's drifting towards a three point shooting league, but to still you see where the league leaders are. And for contrast, the Bucks are over fifty that they're averaging in the paint on a night. And the Heat were close to 50, I think, in the first matchup. So between that and just, you know, what we talked about before, where at one point in the fourth quarter, half of the Heat shots were three pointers. So they were shooting fifty percent on threes and they were shooting forty percent for the game because the Bucks ended up holding them to I think thirty eight percent or thirty seven percent on shots inside the three-point arc. So it wasn't just in the paint. It was everywhere that the three-point line was, as long as the Heat were outside of that, they could hit shots. But once they got in, they couldn't. It's just a credit to this defense and what they've done all season long. And you know, not to sound like a homer here, but if you flipped the names over the numbers that we gave out there and said, here's what the Bucs were doing at the half with all those discrepancies where at one point, um, it was plus 37 for the Heat, I think, after three quarters in terms of three-pointers and free throws made to what the Bucks had, plus 37 there. If you would have said the Bucs are shooting 50% and they're doing this, uh, their, their defense is holding the Heat to what? 30%, 20%, basically. This, in all likelihood, would have been a 20, maybe even more point lead for the Bucks. Just the fact that... They got it down to seven at one point, and that was essentially as close as they got. But the fact that they were still in this game, despite those discrepancies, yeah. just shows you, you know, you go back to earlier this season when you and I talked about it, when you hear Bud talk about the 48-minute mantra, it took us a couple of weeks before we realized, or really a month plus before we realized, okay, it is for the team, but that is more for the opponents, that you have to play 48 minutes to beat this team because – how many games have we already seen where that it starts out like that for three quarters, and then here come the Bucs and teams don't have enough? So uh, if those numbers were flipped, this is another blowout victory for the Bucks. All right, so before we move on,
1: I do want to talk uh, about Giannis a little bit because certainly scoring the ball, it was a tough night for him. I want to mention uh, my, my guy, friend of the podcast, Tanner. He has just opened the gym D1 Training Milwaukee. They're jumping on board, sponsoring the podcast. You guys have probably heard the ads where we are looking for local sponsors. So if you are a local business and you, want to, and you listen to Locked On Bucks, and you want to jump on Locked On Bucks and support us, and 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 we can help support your business. If you basically, if you want someone with an Australian accent to. Uh, talk about your company then you know send us an email and we, we can help you out but D1 training in Milwaukee they just opened today so we're gonna have more details on deals that we're gonna have for listeners and and potential opportunities you have uh, to go out and check out this gym it looks pretty cool I haven't got out there yet I'm gonna get out there later on this week and check out the facilities it's out in Mac1. so for those of the locals and are looking for a place to work out as, uh, you know, hopefully we're, we're entering the, the back end of, of winter. It was a pretty nice pretty nice weekend we just had here. But D1 Training Milwaukee, check that out. Uh, you can go to www.d1training.com for more information there. But uh, Justin, Giannis, tough night at the office for him. And uh, we spoke about the fatigue factor. And, and, and potentially that was the, the cause of some poor shooting from the Bucks. let's just say that. But it would be silly not to to credit the Heat defense, and in particular Bam Adebayo. I, I think he's just a terrific player. His ability to to move his feet, to be agile, to be versatile at that size, uh, and just be a, a huge human. <laughs> and like he he does make life difficult for for Giannis, and it was kind of interesting because. You know, we've seen the Heat in the past have some success with the combination of uh, Hassan Whiteside and, and James Johnson, of course, Giannis, some problems, but Bam, and a bio. Like, got to give credit where credit's due. I thought he was pretty good, but uh, I said at the start of the podcast that I was talking with Frank a little bit, and uh, you know we're going to get Frank's contributions in the podcast, even if he's, he's not here with us right now. And, and the, the thing that he texted me that I thought was certainly true was that early in this game, it looked like Giannis was settling for the jump shot a little bit too much. We saw him jack up a couple of quick threes. We saw him shoot uh, some more mid-range shots. Now, he's had great success on those of late. But uh, it did sort of feel like Giannis was just like, eh, I'm feeling pretty good about my jump shot here. I'm just going to let it fly and, and, and try some other things out rather than get downhill. And, and this is why I, I don't want to take anything away from Bam. I thought he was great but there was a multiple occasions in the first half uh, or in the first quarter, sorry, when Giannis got going a little bit to have six points in the first six minutes, but he just blew straight by Bam. And you're like, okay, well maybe we should be doing this a little bit more. We know that the heat like to set up that wall, but I just thought Giannis was settling for that jump shot a little bit too much. And uh, maybe it was fatigue. Maybe he was feeling the, the pinch of, as you said, the six games in nine days, but it wasn't the usual aggressive Giannis we've seen. He picked it up a little bit in the second half, but overall, Just six for 18 from the field, 13 points. Equals a season low, I believe. He was minus 16 on the box score. He did pick up 15 rebounds and have three assists, uh, but uh, not the usual uh, efficiency and effect of him. And he didn't look his normal aggressive self. Let's just say that.
0: Yeah, and uh, to finish up the BAM, I had a bio point. Uh, I feel like, you know, you're probably in the same boat too. The Heat are one of the teams we've seen more of than other teams. The Heat, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Raptors are – We're all watching them a lot more just to see what the Bucs are going to be facing, and uh, we've seen the progression of BAM this season. I didn't, you know, you look at the stat line, it's almost identical to Giannis and what he did, and I guess it's fitting that I didn't really notice him tonight, where, you know, that first game, I felt like he had much bigger impact the second game of the season, and we've seen him have big games against guys like Joel Embiid, that tonight, it just seemed like he wasn't there, and, you know, same can be said for Giannis, but um, definitely, so I'm taking those uh, mid-range jump shots a lot more and settling for jumpers, the three-pointers, too, where you could see, too, it, it's almost it's a mental thing where Giannis thinks, all right, they're giving it to me. I'm going to take it. Uh, no, I'm going to dribble in a little. All right, now I'll back out and take the three, and those just yeah. never seem to fall, uh, and Jimmy Butler really baited him into some of those mid-range jumpers too i felt like when if you have jimmy butler on him i yeah, know take it to
1: the rack man. right
0: right the strength of jimmy butler sure but the size advantage you have back him down and take it to the rim
1: yeah no question no question but uh like i said this was a night where uh guys were out of sorts i mean we haven't really touched on middleton it's interesting he has a couple of games off here and i know frank yesterday pointed to the fact that sometimes that makes you a little bit uneasy because you're like well this guy's been on a season-long tear uh, maybe you want to stay in rhythm and, and you want to keep shooting the ball and feeling good. Uh, not a great night for him. As we said, two for 10 from three. So 10, three point attempts is a lot, but to be fair, a lot of them were looks that he's just been automatic on this. Yeah. Season. He had some of, open looks. yeah I mean, they were great shots. And, and so for, for Chris, I, I think that you look at this as a night and say, well, again, if, you, if you're looking for things, and, and you can't just like wipe it off and say, well, they missed shots. That's going to change next time. I mean, that's that's not necessarily the way it works, but when you look at Chris Milton and the way he's been playing, I mean, he was walking into open looks tonight and just missing them. And, and unfortunately, when that has happened in the past, other guys have picked up the slack. That wasn't quite the case tonight. Eric Bledsoe, interestingly enough, post-game. Mike Budenholzer said that no, he's fine. He's not ill. The stomach thing passed. It was just a 24 hour thing, I guess, that he had in Charlotte, but he only played 21 minutes. As you pointed to, I thought at times also he was looking pretty aggressive and looking like he was going to try and force the issue a little bit and get things going for the Bucs and get to the free throw line. He had a nice and one, but yeah, only 21 minutes for him, which tells me no matter what Bud says, maybe he wasn't quite feeling 100%. And probably the other takeaway. I would say from this, on a night where the Bucs were really, really struggling to shoot the ball from the outside, we saw an extended stretch of going into Brook Lopez, and he was really, really trying to say, well, okay, we can't hit anything at all. Give me the damn ball. I'm going to force the issue and try and get to the rim and try and finish it. We saw him flipping up some of those awkward shots that he has. We saw him uh, getting to the foul line a, a, a little bit. It was a pretty strong performance from Brook, even though... He still probably missed some shots that you would like to see go down for him. For him to finish with 21 points, uh, he added six boards, eight for 16 shooting, so six for 12 on two-point attempts and got five free throws, which uh, led the Bucks incredibly. I mean, Giannis in this one, when we talk about his uh, maybe timidness a little bit, going to the rim only two free throw attempts for him. But again, we saw Brook Lopez, the focal point of the offense for a stretch here and uh, yeah, well, the Bucks didn't get the win tonight. I always think that's nice to see that that added wrinkle come into effect when things aren't working. What are you going to do? Get it into the big
0: foul. Well, and you know, I agree, and that I think we've seen that a lot more consistently now, and that's been more of a constant that we're seeing more and more of that old Brook Lopez, the honest thing. For as much as Giannis struggled, uh, we we saw this against the Raptors, and this is what you know a lot of us point to whenever. Somebody will point out, hey, uh, in the playoffs, all you got to do is this, and you build up the wall. That night, though, we saw Giannis, uh, I thought, in the second quarter and early in the third quarter, he was most effective. We saw him basically as a decoy, and you saw shots around him going in. If if Chris Middleton was hitting shots, if George Hill was hitting shots, it's a different story because just as we saw against the Raptors, you can't do the same thing and build up a wall and have two or three guys swarm him and bait him into – a mid-range shot if his, if his teammates are hitting shots. So that really was the biggest problem, and people are going to point to it and say, bam, and the Heat defense, and yada, yada, yada. But it was a night where just nothing was working for the Bucks. This wasn't as simple as the Heat figured out how to stop Giannis.
1: All right, so before we wrap this up, there's two things I want to complain about, Justin. Uh, the first thing is that people probably saw me mention this on Twitter, but uh, the the PA announcer in Miami is just annoying. He's, he is... Uh, he's just so over the top in the in the first half. It was it was either the first quarter or the second quarter. where the way he was calling offensive fouls was the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. He's acting like uh, they've just hit a game winning shot in the playoffs because uh, someone drew a charge in the in the second quarter of a game in March. It's just uh, it's over the top. It's annoying. I don't like it. So That's my complaint about that. And secondly, let's talk a little bit about Goran Dragic because he did catch two Bucks players. <laughs> in the Wallabies, and the first one I'm going to say, so the first one he was driving to the basket, he drew a foul uh, and looked like he caught Dante Divincenzo below the belt. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go, and you you can disagree with me, but I'm not gonna say that that was a dirty play. I mean, you know, sure, are you leading with the knee? Probably not, but I mean, we see players do this all the time. And when you're moving at that type of speed that he was, I'm like, okay, that you know, shit happens. Like that was really unfortunate and looked like it would have friggin' hurt but uh, i'm not going to say that was an hourly dirty play the second one i don't really understand what he was doing on the turnaround jump shot guarded by george hill it's not like it was a fade away with like you knee up like we see the dirk fade it was it was just a literal like turn around and knee poor george hill who i've seen take two of the biggest shots down there the first one was in Chicago last year, which was when I asked him about, uh, you know, getting hit in the wall of his post game, And he said, oh, and he said, what, are you talking about my gonads? So fortunately, I wasn't in Miami tonight, so uh, I didn't have to bother him with that question again. But he was down for a long time. And it's remarkable to me that that was not an offensive foul. I, I just, I, if you, you, you see when people uh, go for a jump shot and they, they sort of lead with their elbow, it's an automatic offensive foul. So how can you turn around shoot and, and literally knee someone in that area and not get an offensive foul. It was ridiculous, ridiculous call. And we saw it directly after Giannis. Uh, I'm not going to say Dunleavy, uh, well, Dracic, but he done-leaved Drakic, but he made sure that he ran into him. Let's just say that.
0: Well, that's what I was going to bring up, too, where I agree on that first one. The, the, the George Hill one is it's a little interesting. But, yes, Giannis borderline done leaving him. But when you watch the replay... Goran Dragic was seeking him out. Oh, he was. No question. Yeah. It was an interesting night for Goran Dragic. We'll just say that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he made any friends in Milwaukee. And I will say that people are gonna people are going to sort of over dramatize that that Giannis thing. But you're right, Gian, Giannis was preparing to go for one of those just
0: absolutely ridiculous block attempts that he well, uh, he always gets dunked on for. Let's just say that. The best two was uh, Giannis. <laughs> just when you watch the replay and just how far Goran Dragic goes sliding. Oh the yeah. floor. and then Giannis is the first to hey sorry and and lifts him up and Goran just standoffish of what are you doing well what do you expect
1: yeah no i, I totally agree uh, just for those that haven't seen that or if you, you don't see it on twitter tomorrow or whatever it's going to be yeah Giannis made contact with dragic at around the well, free, throw, the free line, throw line yeah and dragic ended up in the photographers <laughs> past the baseline uh Giannis definitely sent him flying so uh, that's 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 how we can that's how we can finish this pod with a little bit of humor because uh there was not a lot to laugh about through this game. It was an incredibly rough night for the Bucs. A rare, rough night and a rare loss. We haven't had to do too many podcasts after the Bucs have lost games, but uh, they'll get a chance of a little bit of revenge on Wednesday night when they come back to Milwaukee to see Malcolm Brogdon and the Indiana Pacers. They lost to them the last game before the All-Star break on the road. They'll now get them at home and look to, once again, Avoid losing back-to-back games for the first time this season, fifty-two and nine. Justin, I think they're going to be okay.
0: Well, I mean, the sad news is this basically ends any chance at catching the Warriors seventy-three and nine mark. So, we're hoping for a twenty-one out of twenty-one
1: finish. Yeah,
0: but it's still just remarkable to think that you know, coming into play today, the Bucks could go five and five. The Raptors and Celtics could each go on a 10-game win streak and you still would have only erased half of the margin that the Bucs would still be up five with 12 to play, which is basically insurmountable.
1: Yeah, no, look, I, for, for all the listeners out there, I, I, I hope that we haven't disappointed you by uh, not uh, having a, a, a total breakdown during this pod, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I, I think I'm going to sleep well tonight and wake up tomorrow and look forward to another Bucs game on Wednesday. But in the end, as we said, held to below 100 points for the second game in a row. Milwaukee lose to Miami 105-89. As I said, now 52-9 and on the season with the Pacers on tap on Wednesday night. We'll be back tomorrow to uh, you know, maybe discuss more of this and look at some of the other storylines around the league and with the Bucks. As we really now are right into the run to the playoffs, but uh, Bucks, a rare loss, a rare off night. They'll be they are on the plane right now as we speak, heading back to Milwaukee. But for Justin Garcia and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll catch you guys. Tomorrow.